Welcome to the Blends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. I am your host, Troy Rice. Creativity is often taught as a solo practice, and therefore a person that is good at drawing or music is said to be creative. But creativity for kids as well as adults is not limited to the creative arts. Most things we value in life today did not derive from an original idea, but rather concepts that have been blended, broken, or blended. A result from disciplined focus, connecting big picture insights with rigor and testing and small variations. This podcast is to inspire you to create your future, a future you can be proud to live in. On this podcast, you will learn creative practices, stories from creatives themselves, and creativity and history. Looking to get started with an idea? Visit troyrice.life and join a creativity group sharing your idea for thoughtful and rapid feedback to help you create your future. All right, now go blend, break, and blend our world, your world. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Bends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. I am your host, Troy Rice. On today's show, we have creative entrepreneur, food and health enthusiast, Lisa Jenza. Lisa is the creator of Freedom Kitchen, an online media platform providing marketing to emerging healthy food brands and health coaches and health advocates. Lisa is a change agent in the health space and has spent over a decade helping others in their pursuit of living a thriving and healthy life. Each year, Lisa organizes and hosts an annual Freedom Kitchen Summit, bringing health professionals and experts from around the nation to help educate others on a path to regain and strengthen their relationship to health. Lisa, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Troy. So the first question we ask all of our guests is, what does creativity mean to you? Creativity to me is thinking outside the box, which funny in this context, we can actually say pun intended, but it is thinking um, about new ways of doing things. I've never been happy with the status quo, and I've always challenged when someone says, well, it's always been done that way. It almost makes me want to go do it different. So creativity in me is coming up with new ways and new ideas and doing things differently. Excellent. Excellent. And so uh, one thing I want to touch on there, because you mentioned box, um, can you break down what it looks like for somebody to kind of be put in a box uh, where they feel like they can't be creative? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question because so many times, maybe because I'm a very creative person um, and then, you know, I went through the public school system and then I worked in corporate America. And so many times I have felt like I'm in a box and I think this in this lifetime, many times I have said, I'm stuck. I feel stuck. In many people, I hear that, that they feel stuck and that's that box. And that box is society's definition or your family's definition or what you think, um, you know, your community is expecting from you, whatever your community is. So, you know, I worked in IT. I knew what was expected of me in corporate America. There's an expectation and that expectation is the box. And so you hear the terms, don't rock the boat, don't question authority. I mean, I think at GM, when I worked there, it was, there was a saying like, yours is not to question why, yours is just to do or die. Mm. How many of us feel like that? That's the box that we're living in. Yeah, I mean, there was a point where I was speaking in schools uh, prior to COVID and uh, the concept of boxes, we, we framed it into, you know, asking the kids how many boxes that they are associated to within a given day. And most of the kids would say, 
I have no idea what you're talking about. But then every once in a while, there'd be one kid that'd say, well, a car is a box. My house is a box. The shower is kind of shaped like a box. The food that we eat comes in boxes in most cases. And so that person got what I was getting at, which is like you surround your entire life by a box and you just feel like you can't do anything else besides live within that. Uh, and so I love that you dug into that. Yeah. So where does it come from for you? So creativity can come from you know early childhood for many people, influencers, whether that's family, friends, but, and you can feel free to go back as far as you want. Okay. Where does, where does it start for you? And, and tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Well, thank you. Um, because I never viewed myself as a creative person. So when I talk to kids, I work with adults and kids and I do cooking classes and I teach health education now and they'll say, but I'm not creative. I never thought I was creative, Troy. I wasn't a good drawer or artist like my brother could draw I couldn't draw I can't even draw a good stick figure so I didn't think that I had any artistic ability at all I'm actually a very mental person so like painting the house is a challenge for me like my husband is great at painting all of these things that we would coin as artistic I can't do I they don't come easily to me and I don't even enjoy them so many of us have a judgment on ourselves that we're not creative, but creativity comes in different ways. And for me, I found I'm creative with problem solving and looking at things from a different perspective. And you asked how far it goes back. And it's interesting because I don't always share this, but I believe that this goes back to me being given up for adoption. So mm -hmm. I was adopted and at a very young age, I was asked why, but why, but why? I couldn't understand why my young brain couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around the adult reasons why I would be given away. And how do I, why do I belong here? Why did I end up here and not someplace else? So why became the driving question in my life? So I'm a very inquisitive and curious person. And probably because my question of why was never solidly answered. It mm. seems like it's been my lifelong search to question everything. Yeah. And so I ended up in corporate audit. I was um, very young when I hired into corporate America right out of high school because I interned at GM while I was in high school and then um, was an account manager young. And then I was in corporate audit very young. And I was the youngest person in regional productivity. And people were kind of shocked that I, I was so young and in this role. But the executive leadership team actually said, you're the perfect person for this job because you're never satisfied with the status quo. You question everything and you take all variables into consideration. And I thought, what a compliment at like 30 years old. Mm -hmm. That was my expression of creativity was to question the status quo always look for other options, but taking into account all of the variables. And so creativity may mean that you can play the piano or that you're an artist or that you can hang drywall and paint walls really well. And for me, it's looking at big systems and big pictures and questioning why and always looking for more efficient ways of doing things, which is probably how I ended up in information technology for 25 years because I'm a systems thinker. Yeah. And now I take that to the kitchen, you know, and now I'm, it's kind of funny that 
transition that happened, but that's where I'm expressing my creativity now. No, oh, that's, that's excellent. And so, so to back up just a little bit. So as, as a child, you know, go asking why curious as to why things are the way that they are and continuously asking that question. I feel like most of us when we we're kids, we're at that level, regardless of where our upbringing is, we're, we're curious, we're curious creatures, right? We're brand new to the world and everything that we can absorb uh, becomes our reality. But then at some point for others, like that gets challenged and all of a sudden we stop. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you had a moment where that stopped for you or was it just naturally an always curious uh, journey, no matter what? Well, you definitely stop asking that question when you don't get the answer, like, why was I given up for adoption? Mm -hmm. When you're not getting an answer to that question, you eventually stop asking that question, at least externally. You're probably still asking it internally. I don't think that question ever went away. Um, But when you're not getting answers, you're going to stop asking the question. And I would think a lot of kids, and it brought tears to my eyes because I love the kids in my cooking program. Um, They are so inquisitive and so curious. And you know what I'm able to do now, Troy, because I, I did leave that corporate job and I simplified my life. And now I can give the time and energy to my students that I didn't give to my own kids. So this is never a judgment. I'm not judging any of the parents of my students. But what I do find is that when we're working and we're busy and we're raising a family, we may not have the time or the patience to answer all of the whys. So I read something one time that said every family is dysfunctional, at least at one point or another, because it's not possible to meet the needs of every member of the family at all times. So for sure, we have to at least instill in our kids, if there's one thing we can instill in them is hopefully the unconditional love, because when we're off tending to the other kids or we're busy with a project at work or they have to know that they are safe, secure, unconditionally loved, mm. and that we've built in them the um, ability to do decision-making and um, independence of taking care of themselves when we're not able to do that yeah. with them and for them. Because we're not going to be able to, especially if we have multiple kids and we have multiple responsibilities, we're not going to be able to be there at all moments for all questions. And there's probably nothing worse than not getting your questions answered or feeling heard. Yes. I'll, mostly all of that sunk in as a, as a parent of four kids. Like I feel that every day, it can be a little overwhelming um, knowing what I want to teach them and what I want to give them from attention perspective uh, that sometimes just can't happen. So um, I definitely understand that. So, so two, so two questions on that one with your ability to learn and observe as a teacher now, uh, not only with, with kids, but with parents probably too, what are some observations that you see with kids nowadays and how you have to kind of teach them back to potentially a journey of being more inquisitive and creative? And then two, talk a little bit about maybe what the parents could do in those moments to feel like they are helping their, their child progress, even if they are leading a crazy busy life or it's multiple uh, siblings and everything. So can you offer two insights on those, on those points? I, I can. It seems so simplified for me to say the kitchen is the, the kitchen is the place to start this lesson. <laughs> um, everything that I have done 
and everything I have researched, everything takes, leads me back to the kitchen and for a number of reasons. The, if we can teach our kids to be independent and self-sufficient, we take away their fear. We also take away the needy dependency, like I need, I need help, I need you to do this for me. If we can take their basic survival skill and turn it into an empowerment instead of a dependency, Mm. that starts to like infiltrate the other areas of your life. Like what the skill you learn in the kitchen, you apply to life, but we have to look at what is the basic need of our children. They need to eat. And when we empower them with the tools of how to cook, how to prepare their food, we take away the, the dependency and also the subordination is kind of the word I want to use. Mm -hmm. I see the dynamics of a family change when the child starts to cook. There's more respect. The parent actually has more respect for the child. The child feels, feels pride. They're able to contribute to the family. And actually what I start seeing is this, um, partnership between parents and children. So we take away that I have to take care of you to we're a team in this household. Yeah. So I I would say start in the kitchen. If there's one thing we can teach our kids, you know, we got to teach them how to tie their shoes and how to get dressed and then how to brush their teeth. And then comes how to prepare their own food, meal prep with them on Sundays, make all their lunches, put them in the fridge so they can go in the fridge and get one of their healthy meal plans out of the fridge. And they have fun with that, by the way, we make, um, some people call them bento boxes or divided lunch containers. Yes. Yes. Get the, um, the chalk, the chalk markers and they can color on them. They can decorate them and they get to fill all the containers. Very cool. And yeah, so they learn, you know, how to make jello and they learn how to make their own little apple fritter bites and they make their PB and J balls and they make their own lunch boxes. I got to tell you the pride when they cook. And then when we teach them how to make something like zoodles, guess what? If you have a spiralizer, then you may not even have to be in the kitchen when they make them and they have zoodles ready for dinner. And the pictures I get from my students, it's hilarious. The moms will say, well, she got into the zucchini and we have enough zoodles for the whole neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they love to cook. So I say, start there, Troy, for sure. Let them know that they're unconditionally loved and empower them. And then that's the basis, um, you know, for, for setting them up for success and for helping you to alleviate the, I have to be there for everything. We really just, we have to teach them how to make decisions and how to take care of themselves. Yes. Beautiful. Um, and I'm a true testament to what you said is we, figured out that involving our what our nine-year-old now but all of our kids um in the kitchen and helping us make lunch make breakfast make dinner changed everything like the connection and relationship to your kids uh the questions like the more questions are on your food and we now some people might feel a little different on this but we have a google uh home device in the kitchen and we want we encourage the kids to ask about nutritional benefits of particular foods. And so we make a very fun uh, game around that when they're making foods, they can ask like, Oh, what, what are the nutritional benefits of turmeric? Right. And we want them to, to ask that and they like technology. So we leverage that. Um, and, uh, it, it's truly powerful. Um, and it, 
one other thing that you said in there too is um, I, ju- I was just slowly getting into the the gym quick books, but his one of his most powerful phrases is like change your question or change your mindset to I get to instead of I have to. And a lot of that can start in the kitchen, right? Instead of saying, I have to make my kids lunch. I have to get my kids ready for school in the morning. I get to make lunch with my kids. I get to take my kids to school. I get to. And so all of those things, I think align and and why not use the kitchen as your environment? Yeah, absolutely. It's a survival skill. And We've forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, outside of outside of the kitchen, because uh, we I know that that's where you love to to play the creative hand. What are some creativity practices that you personally do or have done uh, over the years to kind of you know keep your creative juices flowing and everything? Like, for example, journaling comes up for many of our guests uh, or writing or anything of that nature. But what what is the go to for Lisa? Well, I do, I do a lot of journaling, um, journaling, meditating, breath work, breath work changes everything. Um, I am a yoga Mm. instructor. I learned about breath work and it is, um, I mean, it's still amazing to me because I'm a left brain, um, you know, engineer type. Right. And I can't quite figure out how breath work works, even though I know there's scientific studies, but it's funny that we still question things even when we know it works. Mm-hmm. So uh, breath work is a big one. I'm always experiencing new things. So I'm, I'm always putting myself into situations and trying new things, mostly in business, partnering with other people, starting businesses, but I'm a problem solver. So I end up working on projects to problem solve with other people. Yes. 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 Awesome. Um, and have you, it's just like a more of like a personal, uh, interest question. Have you ever practiced cold therapy and have you I do every day? Okay. So 10 years powerful on that too, as well. Yep. 10 years I've been, so I owned a wellness spa, I left corporate America and bought a wellness spa. And I started teaching detoxification mm-hmm. back in 2008, uh, long before you were really hearing about detoxification and started talking to people about water filtration systems and the quality of their food and teaching juicing and smoothies and all of that in 08. And then, um, started a magazine and then I found co-founded a commercial kitchen and then founded a cooking school because ultimately all my programs kept leading me back to the kitchen. No matter what I was teaching people, they're like, you have to show me, I don't know what that looks like. So everything kept leading me back to the kitchen. Um, but yeah, so I had a wellness spa and I've been teaching sauna therapy, vibration therapy, lymph drainage, and cold therapy, Mm. um, since 2008. Yes. And I know you said earlier, like people are, have a hard time seeing how it works or questioning how it works because a lot of those things aren't tangible measurements, right? Like we're getting really, we're getting better at it. Like there's the aura ring and things like that, that can kind of help you measure some of those biometrics. Um, but to say like, I've done breath work in my, you know, life change, like it's very hard to quantify that for some people, but I tell you like breath work and cold therapy, if you really want to get out of your comfort zone, that is something that you can do to shake it up, uh, just a little bit because it puts your whole body back on edge and, uh, gets, gets you back to, to thinking a little bit differently. Yeah. If someone wants um, a little bit of a scientific explanation, if you're going to yeah. do, 
exercise or sauna therapy followed by your cold plunge, you're doing vasodilation and vasoconstriction. And so we're really helping to pump lymph, which is going to make us look better. So I look better now at 50 than I did at 36 when I started implementing all of these practices because of the detoxification effect of it. Now, if you don't have a sauna, what you can do is hot and cold shower. So you do hot water and then cold water, hot water, then cold water. Mm-hmm. And you'll do that for like a good 30 seconds. Cause you want to heat the body back up because that gets the blood flowing, opens up all those pores, right? So vasodilation and then 30 seconds of cold will do um, vasoconstriction. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, some people may look at that more as like, uh, you know, body health, uh, detoxification, all that, but creativity is at the essence, right? You can't, there's no way you're going to get all of that going unless you feel uh, like you can, or you feel like you want to. Uh, and so all of that is definitely at the foundational level. Now, before we, yes. get to we, have, to, we have to shed Yeah, we have to shed all of these layers that are hindering us on a mental, physical, and emotional level. So it's not just one level. It it all helps with our creativity. Beautiful. Yeah, because what we often don't talk about on this podcast is we offer up practices and influences and how we do it, but we don't talk about where people are and how they have to overcome whatever, wherever they are uh, to get to that space. It's not just I'm just going to start journaling today, but yeah, my health is poor. So, uh, you know, start journaling and all of a sudden it'll happen. Like there are some things that have to align. And I think, uh, you know, aligning your body health and everything is, is key. So let's talk a little bit about your creative journey now uh, and what you're doing and some of the projects underway. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about um, your summits that you lead. And then uh, from what I, we were talking offline, uh, your new book. Yeah, thank you. I um, am bringing together a number of different resources. So I've been in this space now for 13 years. I know a lot of natural health practitioners and many of us are teaching, most of us have been teaching adults because as a health coach, which let's be honest, there was no such thing as a health coach 50 years ago. And health coaches are only a result of a failed system. So it's like a new profession that emerged to fill the gap because the gap was widening. Our health was getting worse and we weren't getting answers, me included. So pretty much every health coach that you meet, are they're going to have a story like mine. And that is, I had health challenges. I was seeing multiple specialists. They all wanted to treat every part of my body separately. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking holistically, and that's where that term comes from, is we became too specialized and compartmentalized and no one was looking at anything holistically. So we had to take that upon ourselves. Well, most of us ended up helping other adults who had ailments, help them to reverse them. And I kept saying, but we're not getting to the, we're not preventing, I'm going to have a steady flow of clients, but I don't want that. I need to get to the kids and prevent this. And that's how the kids cooking classes started so that we can get to them before they have health issues. I mean, what a concept. And then if you look at the root cause, there are several, but one of them is our food choices. And so I just kept going back to, we have, we have to put more emphasis or focus on the food. And um, in law of attraction, we don't give energy to the things that we don't want. We give energy to the things that we do want. So there's, you know, a universal law that says 
focus your energy on that which you wish to create. Mm. And so I started focusing energy more and more on self-sufficiency, which is what I'm teaching kids in the cooking classes, right? Yes. That, so now I'm starting to teach families, how do you become more self-sufficient at home? How do you plant a garden or raise animals or at least connect with a local farmer? And so that led to this, um, I guess, pivotal place that we are in life. And I think we're at a fork in the road. And I didn't just come to this overnight. Like I said, I've been teaching for 13 years. I turned my health around more than 13 years ago. I've been teaching others for 13 years. And um, now it's really a culmination. It's that systems view, right? How are we all connected and interconnected? And now how I get to use my creativity is by bringing together the resources and sharing that at this fork in the road. So I actually created a, an event with experts from all over talking about health and food and sustainability. And I'm writing a family cookbook based on my kids' cooking program. What the parents tell me is that they watch my videos too. So I'm just making it a family cookbook and a family cooking program uh, that any family can do. And the reason for that is to teach them critical thinking, to give them options to help families become more resourceful. I'm not saying that I have the best recipes or that it's, you know, but what it is intended to do is um, take the blinders off and broaden our horizons and then empower each and every person because we are at a fork in the road, Troy. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I wanna unpack in there um, for sure is the beginning of a health journey and how young that happens. Um, because I think we can both agree that when we're talking about traditional school systems, there isn't anything that's really teaching kids as far as like health. Uh, like there may be a uh, gym class or something that may introduce health, uh, something along those lines. But I've even went as far as seeing um, agriculture programs at high schools have been terminated uh, and not a focus anymore either. And so I think what you were getting to there is if we could focus on the root, uh, at the youth level of, of health coaching, then we wouldn't have to do so many programs additionally, when people are adults to try to get them back to where they could have been 10, 20, 30 years ago. Is that yeah. what you were leading down? Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much more to be gained by teaching the kids the cooking skills, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to ward off um, some of the ailments that we're seeing, which we only have to look at a few statistics to see the trajectory we're on type two diabetes. I've been, I reversed type two diabetes. I've been watching it for more than 13 years and the trajectory continues to go in the wrong direction. So does ADD, ADHD, autism. And again, I'm not a medical professional, so uh, I'll reserve my comment. I just challenge your listeners to look around and see where our health is, compare it to where it was in 2000, 1990, 1980, and 1970, and then make a decision what changed. And, and I would say convenience. Convenience mm -hmm. is what changed. If I sum it up in one word, it's convenience. That's what happened. Yeah. And, and, and what's interesting when I think about convenience is the, the concept is saving time and time is something that we never get back. And so that's why people lean on it so heavy, but it's the form of convenience that you're willing to accept in your life is what drives the poor habits. 
And so what I like to share with people when we talk about convenience is what type of convenience are you leveraging? Like, are you leveraging convenience of time in the aspect of giving that back to family and relationships? Or are you leveraging convenience in, for example, food health, uh, where you don't, you're sacrificing, you know, the time it may take to build something healthy for you to consume. And then later down the road, 10 years later, now you're at, you know, diabetes, heart disease, or, or you name it, obesity. Um, yeah. And so it's definitely a fork in the road uh, when that conversation or that question happens. Yeah. You know, we're the first generation really of dual working households, my generation, I'm older than you, but first generation really of um, dual working households. And so what happened was um, we outsourced everything. We outsourced our lawn service. We outsourced our house cleaning. We outsourced, I know friends who outsourced their grocery shopping, which now that's what shipped and all those things are for. But I know people that went, you know, onto Craigslist and like hired a neighbor or went on next door and hired someone to go that go do their grocery shopping for them before those services existed. Probably the premise for those systems. Um, But we outsourced everything. And that outsourcing was presented to us as convenient so that we could spend more hours at the office. And again, what are you trading? So I could have been home cleaning my house and at least my kids would have seen me, but instead I was at the office longer and paying someone to clean my house. So there's a lot of things in that convenience category, but what I want people to realize, so outsourcing is a big term in information technology. People would outsource their IT to us. We outsourced lawn care housekeeping, daycare, the raising of our kids, grocery shopping. We have outsourced our food. And now if you really think about it, we have outsourced our food at the most basic level. When you hear the military guys talk about how they've been in stationed in all these other countries and in those countries, people grow their own food or raise their own food. Only here do we feel safe enough to allow someone else some conglomeration called big agriculture Mm -hmm. to control our food. So I really, really do want people to understand that that word convenience brought with it a lot of choices that we get to examine at this point. Yeah. We let go a lot of freedoms. That's for sure. Um, And, you know, you and I could probably go at length of of going back in the culture of food and, and how we've gotten to where, where we are. But um, a lot of times we're in essence sacrificing freedoms um, that we have and we not, may not feel it in the short term, but we end up experiencing it in the long term. And typically it's not a good thing. Well, I teach the kids that personal freedom comes with personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. We can take our freedom back when we take responsibility, but not if we're blaming or if we're codependent and we think someone else is going to do it for us. Yes. Yes. And so would you say the greatest gift that we can give, well, to our kids and to ourselves is gaining our freedoms back? Yes. Okay. But you know what, Troy, I think they're going to have to do it. And, you know, I think probably why I was led to teach the kids cooking classes is because I need to bypass a lot of parents. It might be a little too hard to teach some old dogs new tricks, but when we get the kids in the kitchen 
and we teach them their options and we get them making those decisions and making those demands and those requests, then things change. Yeah. I don't think they change until we get to the kids. And, you know, I think the cereal companies all have that figured out. Hook a child young, you got a client for life. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's so much power and influence in, in the younger generations and as it is anyways, because I, I can see it now, like what we teach our, our nine-year-old and then he goes to grandma and grandpa's and he talks about it. And then all of a sudden my dad changes what he eats, even though like maybe three or four years ago, I might've said, you know, Hey dad, have you considered like not buying the same brand of Cheez-Its or Jif peanut butter? Like, have you sought out alternatives because of some of the ingredients and nothing ever changes, but then Kellen shows up at his house and then says something similar, like, Hey, Grandpa, did you know like these Cheez-Its have X in it? And did you know that this peanut butter has X in it? And all of a sudden you go to the parents' house again and they have different food in their pantry. And it's like, what happened here? And it was inspired by the kids. Yes, I love that. Yeah, very cool. So how can uh, any of our listeners get a hold of you? If let's say they are in the food health uh, space, uh, health advocate, health coach, and they want to uh, either, you know, watch your summit, maybe approach you as a speaker or expert um, presenter. How can they connect with you today? Oh, I would love that. You, you know, I love connecting with people. Yes. Um, LisaGenza.com is my main website. There's a contact form. So that's the easiest way to get me a message. Um, I do get those. And then also LinkedIn. Um, you can message me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there as well. And Freedom Kitchen Summit is the summit. Um, you'll be able to sign up there even for the wait list that should be coming soon. The summit comes out the end of March. We will be doing a uh, four-part docu-series. So, um, and that will be available forever. It's called A Fork in the Road. And so no matter when you hear this podcast, I do encourage you to check out that four-part docu-series where I have kids telling us in their words, <laughs> how important this is and what cooking and healthy food means to them. And then I interviewed a number of different experts and have their opinions. And what I really did is piece together the story of what has happened um, as I see it and some healthy interventions and some informed choices that we can all make. So it's definitely worth listening to and sharing. And um, I'm really looking forward to reaching more people and creating this community of health coaches so they can join the publishing platform if that appeals to them. I am always uh, ready, willing, and able to meet with anyone in the natural health world. They just need to set up a time with me. Absolutely, excellent. So we will make sure that we Uh, provide those links and those details uh, for our listeners. And uh, most importantly, uh, grateful to have you on today, Lisa. This has been wonderful, Troy. Thank you. I I honestly think that some of us probably couldn't live with ourselves if we didn't try to leave the world a better place. And I know that's what you and I are both doing. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you again. Thank you to all our listeners. Again, this is the Bends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. We like to bring on guests from all walks of life to hopefully inspire you towards a journey of of creativity or help you strengthen your current place of creativity. So thank you again, and we look forward to the next episode.